Thank you for joining us today. We hope that you receive a blessing from this program. Please join us in person this Sunday for Bible study at 930 or our worship service at 1035. We promise that you will receive a warm welcome. For more information or to watch our services live, please visit our website, gpindy.net. Let's join our service already in progress.
Grace Point Church and Pastor Jim Devaney invite you to a special Answers in Genesis conference with special speaker Brian Osborne on July the 24th and 25th. He will be speaking on subjects such as Do Animals Evolve?, the Genesis of the Gospel, the Age of the Earth, Noah's Flood, and many others. You are invited. You don't want to miss this very important event. For more information, call the church office at 317-535-3512 or go to our website, www.gpindy.net. Splash to the ground in a magic melody And he smiles in sweet approval As the waves crash through the rocks in their harmonies And all creation joins in unity To sing to him majestic symphonies But his fame is on the wall Sinners now make clean. We lift their voices loud and strong. And when those precious by His blood, lift to Him the soul of love. There's nothing more He'd rather hear. It's not so pleasing to His ear as His favorite song of all. As they sing, holy, holy is the land. Heaven's choirs in harmony sing out praises to the great I am. But he lifts his hand for silence when the weakest say by grace. 
begins to sing And the million angels listen As a newborn soul sings I have been For good, 
longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart I'll bring you more than a song for a song in itself is not what you have required you search much deeper within through the way things appear you're looking into my heart i'm coming back to the heart of worship it's all about you it's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing that made it. It's all about you. Stand and sing it with us. It's all about you. I found in him a friend so strong and true and I would tell you how he changed my life completely he did something that no other friend could do no
and darkness from me. Oh, how much he cared for me. No one ever has, have they? Except for Christ. Well, I'm grateful for that. I was kind of unlovely. I know that's hard to believe, but I was an unlove, unlovely dude, <laughs> and God stepped in. Let me just remind you, uh, uh, make a sacrifice to be here next Sunday and Monday. It's the conference on answers in Genesis. Uh, they'll answer a lot of questions a lot of people have, and it's just great stuff, and uh, I'm sure they'll have a an array of materials and books and DVDs and things like that. So just be sure to be here. We don't want to miss it. And it's going to be a great, great conference. So that begins next Sunday. And then in September, we have uh, Pastor Joe Fink. Uh, he's going to be with us. He's written 15, 20 books, and uh, he's a rightly divider and uh, written some great ones on the mystery. And so let me just encourage you, that's going to be for a men's conference. Women are, of course, invited to come too, but he's going to focus on men. And so I'm looking forward to that. I just hope he knows what a man is. Now, <laughs> amen. You can turn your Bibles, if you would, to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. The title of my message this morning is, Saul, Paul, what a change. Saul, Paul, what a change. A lot of people says, they say, boy, my life's a mess. What in the world could God do with somebody like me? Well, if you get saved, God can change your life and uh, change it completely. And we have lots of people sitting in these seats this morning that they had an encounter with Christ, they believed in the gospel, and when they believed, they were saved, and their life has never been the same. Not only are they going to heaven one day, but also he's with them each step of the way. I know he's enough, as the song said. John Newton, owner of a slave ship, he was in rebellion, debauchery against God, and living a horrible life. He would take captured slaves captured natives and make them slaves and he would allow them to be placed on his ship and he would take them to the new Americas and so on and then they would sell those slaves. During a storm one night it looked like everything was hopeless and he got down and he prayed and after that he read a book called The Imitation of Christ and he became a Christian. He was converted to Christ, but it was a result of how close he was to the danger of losing his life that pricked his mind and his heart. He needed Christ. And so he became an advocate to stand up against slavery from that moment on the rest of his life. And, of course, he's the author, the one who wrote the great song Amazing Grace. And so John Newton 
had a changed life. I think Mel Trotter, he was a barber and became a drunkard and uh, show you how low he, you can go sometimes, his little daughter died. And at the funeral, when nobody was looking, he reached in and stole her little new shoes off her feet and went out and sold them so he could have a drink. That's how bad he was. But sometime later, he was up in Chicago, drunk, and he staggered into the garden missions up there, missions program, and uh, like Wheeler Mission, Good News Mission, and so on. And he wandered in there, and that night, God pricked his heart, and he became a believer. And after he became a believer, he became a tremendous evangelist, but also he helped open and found 60-plus missions across the country. He did a fabulous work, a changed life. How did that happen? He believed in Christ and his work. Today I want to talk about another horrible individual person. His name is Saul of Tarsus. Now we know Saul, don't we? We know Saul by his birth. He was a Jew. He's of the tribe of Benjamin and very, very high up there. We know him by citizenship. His father had also a Pharisee, by the way, but he was a Jewish man, but evidently his father had purchased some way Roman citizenship. And so his father had Roman citizenship, and in that day it meant everything. And so when Paul was born, he was born not only a Jewish man, but also he had Roman citizenship. And Paul, because of that, he could travel anywhere he wanted to because Rome was in power. He also had many, many privileges that only a citizen could have. And uh, he could demand law, justice for himself, being a Roman citizen. And Paul enacted that on a couple occasions, didn't he? But we know him by his citizenship. It was like having a double PhD. Then we know him by his religion. Uh, Paul, he was a Jew. He was a follower of Judaism. He followed the law. He was a Pharisee of Pharisee, Hebrew of Hebrews. Paul was a radical zealot for Judaism and the Jewish faith, but they had wandered away in a lot of areas. Then we know him by education. We know that at the age of 14, he moved from Tarsus in Syria to Jerusalem for his education, for his studies. There he sat under Gamaliel, and Gamaliel, the great Jewish legend of education, is the one who trained and mentored the Apostle Paul. But then also we know Paul by sin. Paul said of himself, you know, I'm chief of sinners. In early Acts, the little flock, the Messianic church, was trying to grow. And Paul, he would persecute them over and over. Paul was the leader of the pact. He was the mastermind. He was the ringleader. He believed that these kingdom believers, these Messiah believers, they were a threat to Judaism. And the way Judaism was at that time, they were a threat, no question about it. 
and uh, he went after them. When his name came up among believers back then, the name Saul, when that was mentioned, it brought about terror in people's hearts. Saul, he worked day and night to stamp out believers of Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. He was violent, he was imprisoning, and even murder. He had a lot of them murdered, killed. In other words, he was a ruthless man. Just try to get the fill. Notice some verses here, Acts 7, verse 57 and following. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears, these religious leaders of Israel, and ran up on him, Stephen, with one accord, and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was... Boy, he's right there in agreement. Then the next verse says, And they stoned Stephen, calling up on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. You see, he was right there getting, stoning, killing because of what he had just preached at that time. In Acts chapter 8, verse 1 and following says, And Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time there was great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. For as for Saul, he made havoc, destroying, of the church, entering into every house, hailing men and women, committed them to prison. Begin to get the feeling about this guy. He's really no good, okay? I wouldn't like for him to be my friend if I disagreed with him. Acts 26, 9, 11, Paul recounts, I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, which thing I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief high priest. And when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them, and I punished them off in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme and being exceedingly mad against them. I persecuted them even into strange or different cities. Begin to realize the character of this guy. Okay? Now, Acts 9 is my main text. Notice verse 1 and 2. Acts 9, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter, against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. Here we see he's killing Jewish believers of Messiah. He's persecuting families. He's stopping trying to Christ's message. Here we have Saul. He's like a wild beast on the hunt. He's full of rage, consumed with exterminating these believers of Messiah. He'll take them, and if he doesn't have them murdered, he throws them in prison where there's torture, there's cold, there's rats, there's everything. This Saul, he's mean. 
He's cruel. He's a rotten sinner. He goes from Jerusalem and on the road toward Damascus, looking forward to finding these believers in Damascus so he can bring them back, have them killed, or have them in prison. That's who this guy is, lovely guy. Then there's his salvation. Acts 9.3 says this, And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. There we see Saul saw the light. <laughs> Saul saw the light. By intervention of God, God moved on and in him. Where he was in darkness, now he was in the light of God's presence. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says, And whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. And if you're here this morning and you never believe, Satan has blinded you. You need to let the light of the gospel shine through today and get saved today. Amen? And uh, uh, he's the light. Notice Acts 9, 4. Cry, and uh, notice, he fell to the light, he fell to the earth, and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, that's double emphasis there, why persecutest thou me? There we see Saul felt his conviction. His conviction there. God calls him by name. And by the way, even though people are lost, he still knows them by name. And God didn't hate him, didn't smite Saul, we would say he deserved it, right? But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So God speaks reason to him and then asks him a question. Why persecutest thou me? In other words, listen, Saul, when you persecute my people, you're persecuting me. That, that's just what it means. And here God's wanting Saul to admit his sin. Look at what you're doing. You're guilty. And he wanted him to feel that. But then we see in chapter 9, verse 5, and he said, Who art thou, Lord? I believe Paul knew, or Saul knew who it was. And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. There, Saul hears the Lord. He hears, I am Jesus. With that statement, all of Saul's belief, his faith in Judaism, his faith in the law just fell on the ground. The one he hated the most was right before him. He assumed that this Jesus was dead. And to his shock, He's alive. Uh, now just imagine this moment, this moment here. All he had believed about Christ, all he had done for religion is wrong. I believe Paul was saved at that very moment. He heard it, and I believe he believed it. He believed that Christ had died, was buried, and rose again. He couldn't do anything else because Christ is there speaking to him. Amen? And he's saved by the grace of God. So Paul heard, faith cometh by hearing, right? 
And then Saul obeys his Lord. Notice verse 6. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Of course, Paul got up, but God had blinded his eyes. Somebody had to lead him. Saul begins his journey for Christ. That was his moment in time. When was your moment in time? When you heard the gospel and you truly believed in it for your soul's eternal security there. When have you done that? If you haven't done that, you need to do that this morning. It states in chapter 9, verse 15 and 16, God's telling Ananias about this Saul. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, Ananias, for he, Saul, is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. He's made a lot of you suffer. I know that. But don't worry about that. He's going to suffer for me now. It's his turn. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And here we have this Saul from a mean, cruel religionist to who now becomes beloved of the brethren, the pattern of salvation, grace, the example to all, the revealer of the new dispensation of grace, the evangelist, the doctrine writer, the author of 13 books in the New Testament, the leader and organizer of church planner the defender of faith, the truth, lover of souls, martyred for his life and faith in Christ. I believe he became the most godly Christian who's ever lived, this Saul. It's interesting. In none of his epistles, Paul never refers to himself as Saul. That is ironic. Saul appears 22 times and only in the book of Acts, whereas Paul appears in the New Testament 157 times in the King James Bible. The name Saul, by the way, is the Hebrew name, and the name Paul is the Greek name, his Roman name. Saul means ask, A-S-K-E-D. Okay, ask. Paul in the Greek means to pause, to cease for now, to pause. And if you study the Bible, and I want to just share a little truth nugget. You have to think a little bit with me just for a moment. This fits Paul's ministry because at mid-Acts, remember this, that there is time past. Genesis up through Acts 9. But now, Romans through Philemon, the ages to come, that's Hebrews through Revelation. Past, present, future. So 
His name means pause. And what God was sharing is that he has paused time past. He's put the Israeli prophetic program on hold temporarily. Pause. And he's sharing now a new revelation, a new mystery called the body of Christ, the one new man that is today. That every time you mention the name of Paul, Paul's. Israel's been set aside temporarily, and it is just temporarily for a brief period of time. Now it's been 2,000 years. One day we'll be raptured up, then God will begin to deal with Israel once again in the ages to come. Amen? If you study your Bible, you know that. So when you see the name Paul, that shows he's not connected with Israel. The body of Christ that's for today is not a part of Israel. The apostle Paul is not one of the 12 that were identified with Israel. Okay? In Acts 13, Barnabas and Saul, they're traveling, and they come across a sorcerer. He's a false prophet. This prophet, he has two names. One's Bar-Jesus, and the other one is Elamus. He's a friend of the deputy governor, Sergius Paulus. The governor hears about Saul and Barnabas preaching the word of God, and he wants to hear more. But this sorcerer who is the governor's advisor over him was feeling that was a threat. And so he opposes Barnabas and Saul and the word of God. And it's at that moment, Saul steps up and he says this in Acts 13, verse 9 and following. He says this, Then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him, this sorcerer, and said, O full of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season, and immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness, and he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. And by the way, interesting at mid-Acts, the transition is taking place from Israel to the body of Christ, that God gives this story, true story, that this man for a season is blind. That's exactly what happened to the nation of Israel. Isn't that ironic? Notice it states in Acts 13.42. Now I've come down the stretch here, so just trust me here. And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. 
But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. Because of that, Romans 11, 7, and 8. What then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election hath obtained it, and the rest, and that would be the little flock, and the rest were, what? Blinded. According as it is written, God hath given them, Israel, the spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear, unto this day back then. And let me just say, unto this day. They're still blind, and they're still not hearing. You go to Israel, and they're mostly agnostics. You would think they would be the ones to believe. No, it's right in front of them, and they can't see it. And so we have Saul, who makes this declaration right at the right time in the scriptures of mid-Acts. And in verse 13, it says then, in Acts uh, 13, 13, then the deputy, this is the governor, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at what? The doctrine of the Lord. Okay, then go, go to verse 13, fellas. Now, when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, they came to Perga. Wait a minute. Now, when, not Saul, but now Paul. When it was declared Israel is blinded for a season, it's no longer Saul identifying as a Jew. Now it's Paul, who identifies as a Roman Gentile. Isn't that amazing? From now on, from that point on, his name is called Paul. No longer Barnabas and Saul, now it's Paul. And by the way, the Apostle Paul is a great example, reflection of Jew and Gentile becoming one in the body of Christ through the grace of God. Paul was saved by grace, first in the body of Christ. What an example he is. And when you think about it, think about who he was, how rotten he was. But now, what a change in his life. You see, true salvation brings true change. From Saul to Paul. It's amazing, isn't it? I remember in Chattanooga, Tennessee, the school had a mission downtown, like Wheeler Mission, had a mission downtown. And one Friday night, this one man got saved. And the guy running the mission was from Temple there that I went to school, and kind of took him under his wing, and he went to school at Temple there. A little bit later, he went back home to North Carolina. And eventually, he became the mayor of the city. From a mission 
to the mayor of a city. How can that happen? He believed that Jesus Christ, God's son, died for his sin, was buried, and rose again. And by believing that, he was saved and changed his life. That's what can happen to you. Then you can agree with the song, no one ever cared for me like Jesus. Amen? I look at myself. I'm the most like, unlikely person to be a pastor. I look at my past. It's, it's, it's awful. But I look at it now in grace of how through grace, when I believed in Christ and his finished work, how he saved me and changed my life and began my Christian journey that he has for me. And I feel that if he can do that for me, he can do that for anybody. If he could do it for Saul Paul, if he can do it for John Newton, if he did that for Jim Devney, he can do that for you this morning. This past week, Dow had his father's funeral. Did a wonderful job, Dow. Blessing. And uh, Bill went home to be at the Lord. And while we were out in the foyer, I had this lady come up to me with her husband and a son and a daughter. And I said, oh, Pastor Jim, and gave me a hug. And he said to me, he said, I just want you to know we're here today because of you. Now, I know he means because of what Christ did and we spoke Christ to him. He said, you were the one who came by our house and we were having marital difficulties and you talked about Christ, invited us to church, and we got saved. We're saved. My son here is saved. My daughter's saved. We're here because of the ministry. Now, I don't know about you, but I about came out of my shoes. <laughs> you know, life beats you down. And sometimes it's wonderful to hear a good testimony to encourage you. But I never, ever could have had that encouragement said to me if I'd never been saved. God is so good, not only does he save you, and you begin to come to the knowledge, as it says on the walls of truth, that he begins to use you because you do know some truth, that God uses you in a special way, whether it's to your family, to your friends, to your neighbors, whoever it may be. God's got a purpose for those he saves. And it all starts with grace salvation. Do you know him today? Not about him. Have you believed in your heart that he is God's son and that what he did, dying for your sins, being buried and rise again, that was for you individually. God, I believe in my heart what you accomplished is for me and my sin. I believe it's enough to save me. Say something like that or do something like that in your own heart. And when you believe, that's when you're saved. Father, we love you today. Father, we thank you for that day you touched many of our hearts. 
Like Paul, you knocked him down. And like many of us, we were knocked down also by your amazing love and your grace. And since that day, we've never been the same. We have our ups and our downs, but we always know this. We're saved. We always know we're going to heaven. We always know you're there every step of the way to help us. And if there's somebody here this morning who's never been saved, may they even at this moment bow their heart and believe in the gospel of grace. Believe in Christ's finished work for them. Even at this time, why don't you do that? Believe in him. And Father, we rejoice with those who do. In Christ's name, everybody said? Amen. Amen. Grace Point Church and Pastor Jim Devaney invite you to a special Answers in Genesis conference with special speaker Brian Osborne on July the 24th and 25th. He will be speaking on subjects such as Do Animals Evolve, The Genesis of the Gospel, The Age of the Earth, Noah's Flood, and many others. You are invited. You don't want to miss this very important event. For more information, call the church office at 317-535-3512 or go to our website, www.gpnd.net. We hope you received a blessing from today's broadcast. We would love to have you visit with us in person. For more information, please visit our website at gpnd.net or contact us by phone at 317-535-3512. You can watch us live and view past services on our website, Facebook, or YouTube channel. Until next broadcast, may God richly bless you as our prayer.